Hello and welcome back to the Bigger Picture Podcast. I'm your host, Chan and Zhao. And today I have my co-host Delphi here with me because she knows our guest very well. Hi guys, I'm here to introduce Victoria Malcolm. All right, I'm Victoria. I'm a senior. Um, I'm a faculty kid, so I've lived at NMH for 18 years. Yeah. Wow. So tell us, start by telling us, you know, where were you born? Um, maybe some familiar anecdotes about growing up on campus. Right. Well, I was born in Springfield, Massachusetts, and when I came back from the hospital, I was in Rikert, which at the time was not a dorm. It was like a storage facility for like library type stuff. Um, at age one, I w- moved into Lower North Crosley, um, and I lived there for nine years. <laughs> wow, that's <laughs> long. Yeah. So I grew up in boys' dorm with mm. teenage boys all around. I don't know. It was a great place to grow up. We had a lot of faculty kids that were also in the dorm. They lived, like, next door to us. I had the Kenyans at one point, um, and the Schatz Allisons lived there as well. So it was a good meeting spot for children to run through the dorm. So you were close to them at a very young age. Like, you, you, you guys would just have fun together every day. Yeah, we, in that dorm, we used to have, like, Nerf gun fights where, like, oh, really? we'd run throughout the dorm and, like, the older the older brothers would have Nerf gun fights and then me and Hillary Leeds, we'd, like, pick up all the little darts and then give them back to the guys and then they would continue throughout, like, the th- four floors of the dorm just running up and down the stairs. What you mean as in faculty kids? As like faculty Like the older kids. Older kids yeah, yeah as, we were, as little kids, we would do that throughout the dorm. That sounds fun. Really but fun. It, during summer, though, or... During breaks, during summer, sometimes during the school year, too. We were a little bit all over the place. Yeah. Do you interact with um, uh, the boys living in LNC a lot, or not really? I mean, growing up, they were my babysitters. Um, And we also, my house always had, like, an open-door kind of policy, so the door to my house to the dorm was never locked. So we would have students at our, like, dining room table doing study hall, or, like, people would come in and out of our house all the time. So it's very different than, like, the culture is now. Um, So I did interact with the boys a lot. They were, like, in our house a lot. They were just around, like, all the time. Hmm. So are you, like, very close to them? Do you remember any particular... One Maybe memorable, memorable memorable people that you looked up to as a kid because you were surrounded by so many, you know, high school students. and I think that, like, the per- the student that I was closest to as a kid was not from the dorm. Um, there's, like, a Hogger of Piglets program, which is, like, a branch off of the Big Brother Big Sister, but just for, like, faculty kids. And I was placed um, with one of my dad's soccer managers. Her name was Molly Reese. Um, and she took care of me for a lot of my little kid years. Um, and we would go, like, hang out, like, at least once a week and stuff. She was dating this boy at the time that lived in Shea. Um, and so we'd go into Shea and use, like, the ping pong tables and, like, go all over campus. So that was probably the, the figure that I was closest to. But there was one boy from the dorm that used to do study hall at a dining room table every night whose goal was to get to dental school. I think he did go to dental school, but then he, like, dropped out of dental school and switched what he was doing. But... He got there, you know? That was nice. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Wait, why Why would they go to your house? or Is it because your dad would help them? or? Yeah, it was either if it was just, like, in the, like a more structured study hall environment or, like, more support. And 
people were, it was a different culture. Like, people were just in and out of our house. That was expected. Like, that was the way my parents were in dorm, is that our door was just always going to be open. So people were always welcome in the house, and everyone knew that. And so it was a place where students could just go if they needed to go. If they needed, like, anything, they are always, you know, able to go inside. Yeah, like, was that particular to your family only, or that was the culture back then, where almost all the faculty f- families are like this? I think it was a little more standard back then. It was also, I mean, it, you know, we were there for nine years. So I think over time it became more particular to my family. I think at that point both my parents had been dorm heads at some point. So my mom had been a dorm head before I was born on the other campus, in a dorm called Merrill Keep, which was a girl's dorm. And then moving into that dorm, um, then my father was on the dorm faculty. So they were both used to it. So I think it was easier for them to, like, have the whole family kind of be involved and yeah. not feel the need to, like, separate that as much as some families yeah. prefer. Sounds interesting. So how would a day be like? Because, I mean, your dad obviously teaches. And uh, I don't, does your mom teach? or? My mom is a physical therapist. So she works in a bunch of different hospitals and nursing homes around the area. She has multiple jobs because she gets bored if she just has one. Um, wow. Yeah, so... My dad, as a child, I went to Gill Elementary School, so I would, like, go down to the bus stop and, like, get on the bus and go to school. Um, You know, my dad would go off to teach. My parents would go off work. Um, I'd get home, and at night, I lived in, like, my bedroom upstairs in Crosley was used to be a dorm room that they, like, cut off from the dorm and, like, reattached to the apartment. Um, So the walls, you know how thin the walls are in the dorms? Like, you can hear oh, everything yeah. kind of between really? the next room. So we always had to select who lived next to me in that room so that they would know to shut off their, like, music by, like, 8 o'clock at <laughs> the latest. And if they weren't, then my parents would go, like, yell at them and be like, be quiet, my child's going to bed now. Um, but, yeah, it was routine. I had nice windows that looked over Cutler, so I could see, like, everything that was going on <laughs> from the windows all the time, so I could look out and just see, like, all the chaos. Uh, campus. That sounds fun. It was fun. It's great. Yeah, like, do you go out a lot? I mean, in after you come <laughs> back from school, or you just watch the chaos, observe it. So the meetings place place for faculty kids is like the big tree outside the dining hall. Is that that climbing tree? Um, so like you could always go to the dining hall and find like other children, and you'd just like go play on like that playground. There was an old playground that was a little janky. It got taken down before, <laughs> and then they re-put up the new one that was like this wooden like structure that always looked like it might fall down, it might not, you never knew. But we'd go play on that, or we'd go and like climb the tree out there and see who could like get the highest, or like find different routes. Or we'd try to scare the kids coming out of the dining hall by shaking branches in the tree, but like making ourselves invisible. So we <laughs> like try to startle them. That was... Yeah, I've seen kids do that right now. What was it like growing up with, you know, you had this kind of group of faculty kids. What was it like growing up and eventually, you know, going to this high school along with probably at least a few kids that you spent your whole life basically around? I think it was all kind of accepted that once you get here, you kind of get to go your own way. Like we grow up together, but then we get to make our own paths here and like find new friends. Like I've spent like Hillary Leeds is someone I've spent my entire life with, but we don't really like hang out together here at NMH. We have our own friends, our own life, but we always know that like we have each other, that if, you know, we need to talk about something, we have each other, but we've gotten to make our own paths. Same with a lot of like 
students that graduated last year. Um, that group was another group of people that I was pretty close with when I was growing up. But then once we got to high school, you know, we just you get to make your own path. You get to make your own your own group. It's kind of accepted. Everyone like knows that you gonna get to start over when you come here. Yeah, sort of like following off of what you just said about um, change of paths. So you've been here for 18 years. Mm -hmm. Did NMH change a lot? Because you, you said like back then, you know, everyone was pretty open, the open door policies and everything. How did that change? And I think, yeah, it NMH has gone through quite a few cultural shifts in 18 years. Um, we've had, you know, different leadership in the school and as leadership's changed kind of values and priorities have changed um and like like what you want to go one by one a little bit or i don't remember don't all remember. headmasters to be perfectly honest yeah, yeah, yeah um you know when <laughs> when i was little nmh was coming out of its party years and becoming a more serious academic institution so there's still a lot of um Issues in Crosley with substance use. Yeah, <laughs> um, I mean, still, of, still has been. It's <laughs> no, 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 it was okay. a lot worse then. Okay. <laughs> um, like people would steal alcohol from the faculty and then hide it in the ceiling panels. Um, to get specific, not to get specific or anything. Yeah, right? not specific at all or anything. <laughs> yeah. Like it's a little bit of an LSD problem for a few years in there. <laughs> like it was coming out of these like party school years and kind of in its transitioning to where it is now. And like as much of like you know, whatever substance issues we have now, then it was more cultural, like normal. Like people knew that NMH as the party school and we've kind of shifted away from that in the years. So that's one change. I think a long time we accepted our also uh, facilities um, as they were and we were not exactly focused or prioritizing uh, changing them. And then we've, you know, recently, as you can tell, shifted our focus to getting new facilities and that sort of thing. So that's been another culture shift that's happened. Um, yeah, that because I've heard stories about you know people trying to request for new buildings, and I think uh, I think last time Ted mentioned this in class, but then he talked about how the school had been trying to get a new ice rink for a really long time. Yeah, and then also the science building, mm -hmm. and also yeah, it's been like a fifty-year promise every year. It's like we're gonna build the science building. Like every graduating class has been told they're gonna have the new science building. We had tried to hire like a bunch of different headmasters in order to go fundraise. Like that's been the goal, and a lot of like our new head of school hiring is who's gonna be able to fundraise us the money to finally build that <laughs> science building. We finally did it. Like props to Brian, I guess. Finally, actually built the building. But yeah, that was an endless process of. Every my brother, like who graduated five years ago, was also promised he would have a new science <laughs> building when he was a senior. So, well, I mean, also this year, especially as lots and lots of faculty are retiring, do you feel like you know leaving the place? It's kind of NMH is having yet another cultural shift, as we see a lot of old things like Cutler and a lot of faculty that are retiring and a lot of. Um, you know, new buildings, new wrestling center, new ice rink, new faculty. Do you have any feelings about, I don't know, what to expect, especially this being your last year, end yeah. of an era maybe? <laughs> I feel, yeah, I feel like this is definitely a turning point for NMH. I feel like COVID has had to make that for a lot of people. And there's kind of this, like, old guard of faculty that's been here for a really long time that's retiring, you know, people who've been there for my entire life who've seen me grow up from the time that I was, like, born. Um, until now we're leaving. So, yeah, I think it'll definitely be a culture shift. Um, I 
I think it has to be too, though. I think we have a new population student body that's coming in, you know, coming off of COVID. I'm an RL right now, right? And my freshmen, this is, you know, for some of them, their first normal year of school, like since they were like sixth graders, you know, sixth, seventh graders. So since they were like middle school um, and to come into a high school setting after not having those years is you have different social experiences, you have different like behavioral expectations um and so yeah i think we are having new culture and there's a new ask of faculty and we have new administration coming in and we have new buildings and new so i think a lot of things are going to shift i don't know if it's a bad thing i just it's going to be different yeah it's yeah so you sort of had these relationships with um, faculties obviously along the years of 18 years had like do you have any particular strong ones Actually, one somebody's coming back from my graduation that left um, a while back, but is actually an MH grad and worked here for a long time. His name's Jeff Neal um, and Annie Neal. They were both NMH students. Um, you know, like the Peller um, Science Award. Oh or the yeah, Peller yeah, Math yeah. Award. It's Peller Math Think Award. So. Yeah. yeah, the Peller Math Award. So that's named after um, like Dick Peller. And yeah, so, right. Soccer coach. Yeah, so Annie's. Their daughter. Oh. Um, and so, anyways, went through NMH. I met it here. And they moved away a long time ago, but they were really important in raising me. Um, Meg Donnelly is my godmother. Um, was also really important in raising me. Uh, yeah, those Heather Leeds and Gina, um, Charlie Tierney's wife. So those families have all been a big part of raising me. I was raised by a lot of people here. There are a lot of people that kind of helped take care of me growing up, kind of passed around. So wait, like passed around as in you would go (laughs) to different houses every night? Or what what does that look like? You like go sit in the dining hall and they like, you know, help take care of you as a little kid. There's different people who watch you and different people who like are part of like you're growing up and parenting. And you know, you always knew that you had a bunch of people looking out for you. Like I could roam three on this campus um, because there are so many adults that were looking out for me. My parents didn't always need to watch me. There's so many other people that were going to do that. So it's kind of like a whole bunch of people that were helping look out for me and like, you know, teach me how to grow up, you know? That's sweet. Do you... Shifting away from, well, more adults, um, as you came to NMH, any particularly memorable teachers, coaches, um, trying to think of more adults, <laughs> um, people on campus that you met when you started going to school here? Yeah. Hartso, he recently left, but he was my Frisbee coach um, for three years and became really, really, like, an important person to me in both, you know, navigating, like, my future. He was an important part of my college process and, like, helping me uh, find people to take me around schools through meeting different, like, Frisbee teams um, at colleges. And he's been, I don't know, just, like, an overall supporter throughout all my years at NMH. Um, I would give Meg Eisenhower a lot of credit. I thought that class was going to kill me, but also genuinely improved my writing. I wrote a little note to myself after I took that class, or in the middle of that class, actually, reasons why I like Meg Eisenhower for when I hate her. Um, <laughs> because I needed to remind myself that while the class was killing me, I also really valued and appreciated, you know, the work that I was doing and that it was really useful to me. And when I was writing college apps, that became apparent because I had to be able to write, you know, these three, 400-word essays really quickly, and a lot of them. 
Um, and I had ex- a lot of experience doing that and doing it well on the first try. Um, and I really value that in hindsight. So that was really an important class for me. I think um, Abby Ross was really important. I had her for four consecutive terms as a teacher. Um, two of them are math and two of them are social entrepreneurship. Um, and she kind of taught me where my like passions were. A lot of her classes were ones that really like made me realize, oh, this is what I want to do with my life. So like her graph theory class, I was like, oh, the way you look at numbers and things like that. Like I want to, at least some part of my future, it needs to be around data analysis and data science and working with that. And then social entrepreneurship, that class was also really important. I didn't realize how interested I was in like social justice and how much I cared about that until I took that class. Because I was like, I am not going to take this class. Like, I don't want to. I'm not going to do it. And then my freshman RL, um, who was still around my sophomore year, was like, you got to take this class. Take this. You know, just apply. Even if you, like, get it and you don't want it, you can just not do it. But you have to do it. And I was like, fine. I'll apply. I'll do it, I guess. And, like, Grant approached me, like, three times in the dining hall. And was like, you got to, like, sign up for this. And I was like, fine. I'll do it. <laughs> so I took the class. And it was, like, been one of the best classes I've taken at NMH. Sure. So... <laughs> I really was not going to do it. I told myself, I'm not going to do this class. Then I did it. Grant's another person that's been really important. Now I have what we call group therapy with Grant, with my social entrepreneurship group. Um, So me, we meet with him on Thursday nights and just chat. It's really nice. nice. I mean, coming back to sort of you finding your passion in Abby's class, how did Abby sort of help you find your passion? Is it because of the way she taught you or it's just sort of in being in the class you realize oh I love math and I love doing all these things she had taught so she taught graph theory um which is class we don't have anymore but she had done her like college like thesis around like scanning like newspapers and articles for certain words that like associated with like biases and stuff um and so she her passion around the topics was kind of like a little infectious <laughs> that makes sense um so her class was really interesting also the way she taught was really nice it was nothing that you felt stressed about you could just be in the class and enjoy the math and not like worry about it so the way she structured tests and homework um was not a lot of pressure on each individual science you felt like you could make mistakes and that would be okay you know you felt like people had your back and people were going to help you succeed and that like she really wanted you to succeed in that class and i think being able to let go of like the stress of like doing really well on every test and like st- you know if each homework assignment and in class and like letting go and feeling like you always had to know what was going on made the class a lot more enjoyable mm, that that's true like when you take the work part out of it um, well, you are one of the most accomplished students here and have been a part of a variety of pr- probably every program that NMH has to offer. So you talked a little bit about social entrepreneurship, but you are also a three-season varsity athlete and a musician and all these other wonderful things. So any thoughts on programs or maybe like classes outside of the typical um, class route that have been also memorable to you? My art classes. This is kind of an unexpected direction, but I am not great at art, but I really enjoy art. So <laughs> I have tried every year to fit in at least like one art class into my schedule. Um, so I, I took the intro to visual arts class. I've taken drawing and comp, and I've taken painting here. Um, 
and those classes have been great. They've been a really good space for me to be able to be creative and like put aside the math part of my brain and just like enjoy that. So those classes have been really nice, a good place for reflection. And I got positive validation from my art teachers that are like, wow, this is really good because I'm in like the intro level art classes. So that <laughs> feels really nice. Um, <laughs> My, my self-portraits in the student art show this year. I feel like oh, that's wow. an accomplishment uh, <laughs> for a non-artist. <laughs> but that's been an area where I've really gotten to, like, let go of all those other activities that you've listed and just, like, sit down and spend time focusing on these one thing. It's like meditation to a degree. You just get to, like, paint. You know, you mm -hmm. can, don't have to think about the math problems, the game. So, you know, ahead, you just, like, get to focus on you know just getting the nose right mm. or like you know just You're getting just the present, right shade yeah. of green you know it feels really nice stress-free it's stress-free yeah. it's nice how about sports because i mean sports is probably a big part of your family and also your dad obviously coaches soccer and coaches me and a lot of people and other sports I know yeah. you, you guys are doing Ultimate together this season. Yeah, and soccer a couple of seasons ago. And soccer, yes. Almost. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I grew up watching the boys' varsity soccer team. I've watched it through, you know, <laughs> a lot of its ups and downs. Um, the boys' varsity soccer boys actually have been an important part of my childhood growing up as well. We just had one kid from New Zealand that was here for a year that stayed in our house, um, came back, brought his family back to visit my family with his, like, children and mm, stuff. Really? So it was, yeah, it's really sweet. We have soccer players come and visit all the time, actually. They're in and out of our house. They never go. <laughs> they always come back. Um, but, yeah, so I grew up watching soccer, and I grew up playing soccer. My family started this, like, soccer league actually because there was no good soccer in the area so they like started a soccer league and organized a bunch of teams and it would happen every sunday there'd be like games then um and so they ran that till i was around like 12 13 and so there was like 10 and under 12 and under 14 and under um and they yeah ran the whole league um and they yeah they for a lot of years they did that uh, so I grew up playing in that league, and then I s started playing in middle school, and then I played at NMH. My brother played. It's kind of a requirement to play soccer, to be honest. It was a great but way do to... do you love soccer, though? or I love the game of soccer. I think it's a beautiful uh -huh. game. And it was also a great way to connect with my father growing up because it's something we could go out and do together. And it's something my brother, my dad, and I can still go out and do together. Um, so that was really nice. I think... It's a beautiful sport. I haven't always had great experiences on the soccer team itself, but I love the sport of soccer. Um, I Yeah, I love the way the game works. I think it's just so fun. So, yeah. So beautiful, especially when it's good soccer. It's so Yeah, of nice. course. No, I feel you. Yeah. Are you going to keep playing in college? No. No. I'm going to play Frisbee in college. Frisbee? Yes. Really? I love Frisbee. I When I was also not going to join the Frisbee team when I was a freshman, I was going to play lacrosse. I had played lacrosse in middle school, and I was like, sure, I'll go to Frisbee tryouts because they started before JV lacrosse. I was like, I will go to Frisbee tryouts, and if I get cut from the varsity team, I will go and play lacrosse. I did not get cut from the varsity team. I got an email at 3 a.m. one night that told me that I made the varsity team. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that 3 a.m.? My heart so just always sends out emails, like, in the middle of the night. We tried to teach him how to schedule send. Um, it didn't work because, like, last week I also got an email from him at 3 a.m., but we're still trying. Someday he'll <laughs> learn to schedule send. But, yeah, I made the team at, like, 3 a.m. I was like, okay, guess Frisbee it is. Um, and then 
it was just like the team culture uh, you know the whole it's a whole network of people throughout like the United States that you can go and like meet and have a connection to like when I was doing college visits a lot of colleges were closed and like weren't doing official tours but I met like the captains of like quite a few frisbee teams that were willing to like take me around and show me the campus and be like you know introduce me to like their school and so having that kind of like network of people has been really special and they're all so nice so yeah i'm gonna stick with frisbee i really like the community so it's more about the social aspect oh i think the, the sport's sport. great too the sport's great. yeah i mean it's pretty similar to soccer yeah to, to be fair yeah it's a like little. passing moving off off the disc yeah. running everything yeah. i think it's been a strength of mine in that sport yeah. soccer yeah, I mean it's fu- obviously the family influences. And uh, <laughs> talk, do you want to talk a little bit more about your father and your brother, like how they sort of influenced you, not only soccer wise, but just in well, I general. I think coming to NMH, I felt like I had really big shoes to fill with my brother. It's like my brother accomplished a lot. He was a good student. You know, he was a very vocal dude. You know, he played three varsity sports, smart. I was like, I don't know how I'm ever going to live up to that. <laughs> Made it my mission to surpass him in everything that he did, and I would do them better. That was when I was a freshman. I kind of grew out of that and found my own place at NMH, but I was always really afraid of being, like, compared to him because I'm like, I'm not as good of a writer as him. I'm not as good at history, like, not as good at, like, everything. So I kind of always had that, like, hanging over my head. And then after I finished my freshman year, I was like, nah, I got this. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it, you're – crazy exceptional at math i mean you took what calculus in your freshman year yeah yeah i mean my brother came in and took pre-calc and so i was like well (laughs) you can do it i got this i can do this (laughs) i will yeah so got the win it was it was it was really nice he uh, had a really good relationship with hank my chinese teacher and that really helped my grade throughout my years <laughs> uh, my brother's now a chinese major in college oh wow really <laughs> one of double major might be his minor actually i'm not sure but swathman doesn't really have a big chinese program there's like a couple of students but he's studying chinese in college as well oh, so interesting that gave me good points with hank too is that patterson <laughs> is con- pr- continuing to pursue chinese although he will not be doing a career with that but that helped out i think my dad, obviously, is not a math person. He's a history teacher. Um, so that's been useful to me as not a history person <laughs> to have that resource. Um, and growing up, we talked a lot about history at the dining room table or things like that. It would always be, like, stories about, you know, different eras. Um, so I think I kind of found an appreciation for history, even if it wasn't my strength that way, you know, mm, appreciation. For, though my dad and I do not agree on writing. Uh, what what do you mean? Uh, I do. He does not like my writing style <laughs> at all. Like if what I took his class, style? I would yeah. not get a good grade. <laughs> uh, so I Why? don't let him edit my writing anymore. I let him read it for the content, but no editing for style. Um, I think he's a little, a little more like he likes elaborate little flourishes in his writing, and I'm a math and science person, so I like it to concise. Direct, yeah, concise. Say exactly <laughs> what I mean. Yeah. Um, which, you know, not exactly my dad's direction of writing. Yeah. No, that's but. fair. So how did sort of math come to you? When I was in kindergarten, my mom made me memorize my multiplication tables. We would be going on walking, you know, we 
travel a lot, so we'd be like in other countries walking, and my mother would just quiz me until I memorized them. So by first grade, I had memorized all the multiplication tables from you know zero to twelve, um, which is what you learn in third grade at public school here. Yeah. So I learned them by, by the end of first grade, <laughs> and then my mom was like, "Now nah, you can do more math. Here's a math book. <laughs> learn it." Um, and so I did, <laughs> and then. I, my public school is really accommodating, so when I was in fourth grade, they let me do math with the sixth grade class, so I did, like, their whole math program with them for that mm. year, finished that, and so by fifth grade, I did pre-algebra online, they bought this, like, online pr- math program for me, I did that, you know, sixth grade, I did algebra one online, um, I don't actually have credit for any of these classes, because I never officially completed them, or took the mm. final exam for either of them, but mm. yeah, whatever, <laughs> um, took geometry seventh grade, I did algebra two in summer school with Jim Bollinger. I oh, actually wow, only really? did it in three weeks, though, because it was a five-week course, and I left three weeks in to go to summer camp, so I took the final after I got, like, an 88 you, on you it. You finished Algebra 2 in mm. three weeks. Yeah. And I got an 88 on the final, and I left. That's amazing. And <laughs> I... Yeah, and then I took this class called Functions in eighth grade, which is the first ten chapters of IB high level math. And I was like, All right, I'm gonna go to NMH and I'm gonna take pre calc and then I took the placement test and Kai was like, No, you're gonna take calculus. You can take A, B, or C <laughs> and I was like, nah, I don't know about that. Like I have not taken pre calculus. Are you sure about this? And he's like, Yes and I was like, Okay. You didn't take pre-calc and you're straight into calculus. I wow. took funk. Apparently, I did take pre-calculus, uh-huh. but it, like, it it's covered. It wasn't, like, official. It worked out fine, though. I got the math award my freshman year, so I think I did okay. Are you are you still winning math awards along, along the way? Or? No. See, I don't think they give you the same award twice because it's, uh. like, the school-wide math award freshman year. I got, like... Uh, I got the Hume II History Award for somehow my really? sophomore year and uh, the Service Award for uh, Project Joy Bells. Um, and then I got uh, the General like School-Wide Science Award and then the Advanced Chemistry Award and the Harvard Book Award last year. So no more math after that. Went to the other subjects. Mm. But... That's pretty good. Well, you mentioned Project Joy Bells, which I'm totally going to make you talk about um, because that is a program that is no longer probably going to be offered. But, um, yeah. Very sad. Yeah, so when I was right before my freshman year, when I was 14, I went to India um, with a group of NMH students, and I taught math for a month um, to at Joy Bells School and Orphanage. So... I am the last remaining person that's been to India. It was the last year they took that program. Um, So upon returning, um, I was involved with the club throughout, like, my high school years. And then as a sophomore, I took over as the leader of the club um, and focused on, like, fundraising efforts. So as a sophomore, we sold, like, donuts every single Tuesday um, in Blake so that we could raise money. (laughs) <laughs> um, uh, so we fundraised a lot of money to buy their like school supplies. There's actually um, a student from Joy Bells uh, that's coming this summer um, to go to summer school. So we bring mm. kids here for summer school, yeah, and school supplies, books, everything. So been fundraising for that ever since I went. But yeah, I taught algebra too. That's what I taught there. After your three weeks, literally, of I, after three weeks with <laughs> Mr. Volunteer. <laughs> that I went and taught with Mr. Wallander, I feel like it really solidified my Algebra 2 knowledge. It really made me have to learn 
the content really well because I learned that if you can't explain each concept at least three different ways, you don't actually yeah. know it. Because no, kids so won't get it the first way, and you're like, okay, let me try the second way. And if they don't get it the second way, you're like, okay, now I need to try the third way. There's no point in just trying to explain it the same way over and over again. They're just yeah, no, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yeah. So. Well, um, we probably have to wrap up soon, but any passing wisdom for, you know, as a very experienced senior, for underclassmen, for, I don't know, what's your life wisdom here, life advice? After being here for 18 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think communicate well with your teachers is one of my you know have a good relationship with your teachers they all everyone here wants you to succeed um and there no one wants to see you fail and so having a good relationship with them and communicating with them is really valuable and especially as you become a senior and you have to work on like the college editing process and writing process and things are really difficult it's really helpful to either have someone you can help like arrange your schedule and help and also somebody you can rely on and having that like teacher support I think is really valuable like for my first couple of years here I didn't really I wasn't really close to a lot of teachers and I didn't really know how to form that connection it just seemed like they were distant and now like my going to you know the end of my senior year there's a whole bunch of teachers that through you know, the last couple of years have become really important in that. Like, I remember I was um, in my English class with my guys an hour, and I was in Jim Shea's class, and it was during COVID, and I called my advisor, and I was, like, in tears. I was like, I don't think I can get through both these classes at the same time. <laughs> and that, like, night on the phone, we went through the whole course catalog to figure out what was being offered at the time to see if I could switch out. And they were like, okay, can't switch out. And then I got a Costa coach, like, the next day. And, like, she, through that whole process, she was like, okay, step by step, like, what can we do? How can we make this work to get through this, like, section? Um, and so having that connection is really helpful. The, like, Writing the college apps, having people to edit that you trust is really helpful that you know are going to be honest. Um, and also when things get overwhelming and you're just like you need to go to bed or things, being able to send that email and be like, I'm tired. <laughs> I went to bed tonight. I didn't finish your homework. And that being okay because the teacher knows you and trusts you enough for that to be okay, mm -hmm. um, I think is really valuable. Also, don't stress too much. It all works out. Like what happens, happens, and you're going to be fine. Nice. It's great. That's amazing to sort of have you here with us today. And I'm going to ask you the one last question I ask everyone that comes to my podcast. Did you have a good time here today? Yeah. You did? <laughs> yeah. Is that a genuine answer? <laughs> yeah. It was like a little nerve-wracking, and then it was good. Yeah, no, it's sort of, you, you sort of fell into it, and you just you're just talking about your life. I think I'm pretty good at talking about myself. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Everyone loves talking about themselves. But um, for our listeners, thank you all so much for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye. <laughs>